Let us turn to Psalm 6. That first psalm that we read, Psalm 6. And I want to direct your attention tonight to those words that we find at the end of verse 3. Psalm 6, the end of verse 3. O Lord, how long? O Lord, how long? Here is David's cry. And I think in some ways it's a topical verse when we think of our current situation, those things that have come upon us over these past months, almost a year now, with lockdowns and so forth and all the restrictions that have been brought in. We're told in answer to the pandemic that is over the face of the earth and maybe sometimes this is all we can utter when we come before the Lord with our prayers, O Lord, how long? And I'm sure many times you find a great deal of comfort here in the book of Psalms. So many of the Psalms are evidently prayers, clearly prayers, there's no disputing that. They are praises, that's what the word Psalm means really, it's a book of praises. But also here, surely we recognise that uh, these praises are in the form of petitions and prayers. We go back to the previous Psalms. We're in the earlier part of the book. We look at the words that we have in Psalm 4. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. And then again in Psalm 5, give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. My voice Shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. These are clearly very much prayers. And here in this sixth psalm, David prays. The psalm is principally a prayer. Certainly that's the case with the first seven verses of the psalm. And even as he addresses God we see that quite clearly because we have this expression O Lord some five times here in the first four verses it's the it's the uh, evocative it's that form of address that would be used when one is addressing a person O Lord rebuke me not in thine anger neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure have mercy upon me O Lord for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is also sore vexed. But thou, O Lord, how long? And then return, O Lord, deliver my soul. He is constantly addressing God directly in his prayer. But then we see something different at the end of the psalm because... In verses 8 and 9 he doesn't speak to God, but he certainly speaks of God. It's not O Lord, in verses 8 and 9 it's the Lord. He turns to men and says, Depart from me all ye workers of iniquity, for the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord hath heard my supplication, 
the Lord will receive my prayer. There's an assurance in the way in which he speaks in those two verses and then he addresses God again at the end. Let all mine enemies be ashamed and so vexed. Let them return and be ashamed suddenly. So what we have here is clearly a prayer and the assurance of his prayer how he is uh, confident that the Lord has heard him there in verses 8 and 9 the Lord has heard him the Lord has received his prayer oh he is a God who hears prayers what does God say before they call I will answer while they are yet speaking I will hear but what do we say? We come in the words so often of our text, O oh Lord, how long? Sometimes maybe we feel that our prayers are not being heard, not being answered. And that's as much as we can say if we're honest. O oh Lord, how long? Well, as we come to consider this text tonight I want to divide what I'm going to say into three parts looking at the cry of David here first of all the cause what lies behind is prayer uh, then the uh, the contents what the prayer is actually made up of and then last of all the consequence the results of his praying the psalm does bear a title the title tells us very little I suppose really some of the titles of the Psalms of course tell us a great deal uh, about the circumstances the historic situation in which David was moved uh, to, uh, to write such words that's the case for example in the following 7th Psalm it's, it's one that he sang unto the Lord concerning the words of Cush the, uh, the Benjamite but all we're told here in Psalm 6 is that it's to the chief musician and then various instruction is given with regards to the manner in which it was to be used in the worship of God on Neginoth upon Sheminith. So the, the title does not tell us a great deal about the cause. So we have to look at the content. We have to examine what David is actually saying to understand why it is that he should utter such words and it does appear that at the time when David wrote this psalm he was sick he was sick what does he say in the second verse have mercy upon me O Lord for I am weak O Lord heal me for my bones are vexed in fact we might say that he was so sick that he was afraid that he was not going to survive, that he was going to die of this particular disease, whatever it was. He says in verse 5, For in death there is no remembrance of thee. In the grave who shall give thee thanks? When we're in physical troubles, when we're brought low in our bodies, it does oftentimes make us to be more earnest in our prayers to God that's the, the consequence when uh, troubles come upon us and here we can say that was certainly the case with David but his distress is not only because of his physical condition 
there's also surely a spiritual element here. It's not just his physical needs, it's his spiritual needs. He says in verse 3, my soul is also sore vexed. In verse 2 it said, my bones are vexed, his body, speaking of his physical state. But then here in verse 3, it's, it's his soul. And then he utters those words, that petition that I want us to concentrate on, those two words, how long. But see, uh, when it comes to his soul, the trouble is greater than his physical need. In verse 2 it's simply, my bones are, are vexed, just the verb. But now, in verse 3, concerning his soul, he he uses an adverb, he says, my, my soul is also sore vexed. Oh, it's really affecting his spiritual condition, whatever has come upon him. And this word sore, of course, has the idea of extremity. His soul is very vexed indeed. There's certainly an emphasis in the way in which David is expressing himself here in the text. He goes on and says, But thou, but thou, O Lord, how long? Oh, there's something emphatic in the address that David is making here. He is so earnest. And surely we recognise that, that the sinner's sense of his need does make him to cry out in this sort of fashion. We read there in James chapter 5 of the effectual fervent prayer of a man availeth much. The effectual fervent man availeth much. And remember there at the end of James 5 we're directed to the prophet Elijah how he prayed earnestly. And the margin says, literally it says he prayed in his prayer. Oh, he prays to God that God would stay his hand and that there might yet be rain. There was a great dearth. He prayed earnestly that it might not rain. Then he prays earnestly that it will rain. Here is one who is surely meaning business with God. It's the same Apostle James who reminds us earlier in his epistle that we have not because we ask not. And we ask and we receive, not because we ask amiss, that we might consume it upon our lust. We can say prayers and yet oftentimes what are those prayers? Are they, are they real prayers? Do we pray earnestly? Do we pray in our prayers? We have that gracious promise. God says through Jeremiah, you shall seek me and find me when you shall ask. Or when you shall seek me with all your hearts wholehearted seekings after God and this is what we see in the way in which David is praying as he cries out but thou O Lord how long and what is what is causing David to, to pray in this sense as I've said is it some physical affliction that has come upon him is he a sick man is it a serious affliction and he's fearful of dying? He certainly speaks in those terms and then also we see that his real concern is for his soul. But he seems to discern something of God in all of this. 
he makes mention of God's chastening at the beginning of the psalm. O Lord, he says, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy heart's displeasure. Why, why would David be chastened? Well, as a child of God, of course, he would not be able to escape chastenings. The Lord deals with his people. The Lord deals with all his people. If we know anything of the Lord, the Lord will not leave us to ourselves when we come into certain circumstances, when we sin against him, when we go in the way of disobedience, he'll correct us. And we should be thankful that God takes account of our poor lives. But see, our David, though he might be chastened because of his sin, he, he can only plead the mercies of God. He says that in that second verse, have mercy upon me. O Lord, for I am weak. Oh, he needs God to deal with him in the ways of mercy. We know that whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Paul says, if ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. What son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? And chastenings of the presence are not pleasant, they're grievous. But they are profitable to those who are exercised thereby. And certainly here we recognise that David is one who is very much exercised. He will, he will bow to God, he will bow to the sovereignty of God. But as the Lord is dealing with him, and it's a hard lesson that he's having to learn, he cries out in the agonies of his soul, O Lord, how long? How long will God's hand be upon me in such a fashion as this and what he what he asks is that God doesn't deal with him in anger rebuke me not in thine anger he says rebuke me not in thine anger neither chasten me in thy heart's displeasure we find Jeremiah in a similar a similar place to to where David was there in Jeremiah 10.24 he cries, O Lord, correct me, but with judgment, not in anger, lest thou bring me to nothing. But you see, God is not, God is not dealing with him in anger or in any judicial sense. As we were saying on the Lord's Day, God never deals with any of his people in that judicial sense because the judicial punishment of all their sins has been visited upon the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the propitiation for our sins. He has borne the wrath of God against all the sins of his people. And God does never deal with his people in anger. And surely, in a sense, doesn't David recognise this? I remarked on how we we have him constantly here addressing God and how does he address God five times in those opening verses he cries out O Lord O Lord O Lord O Lord O Lord every time of course he is using God's covenant name so he's coming now as a child of God as one whom God has had mercy upon and, and adopted. 
is coming really in the spirit of adoption. Though he doesn't address God as his father, yet he is surely mindful of the covenant. But now, oftentimes you see, God's people, as I said on the Lord's Day, they misjudge God. Well, we're all prone. We're all prone to that. Look at the language that we have in one of the hymns. Hymn 304. And there at the end of the second verse, Hart says, Fain would I find my God, but fear the means perhaps may prove severe. If thou the least displeasure show, and bring my vileness to my view, timorous and weak, I shrink and say, Lord, keep thy chastening hand away. It's not easy, and it was not easy for David, and yet these things are here, they're left on record, they're in scripture, and they're there for our comfort. That's a wonderful truth, is it not? They're all recorded for our learning for our comfort, for our establishment all these things that happen to the saints of God and God has seen fit to to leave them here in holy scripture but all David you see he feels himself to be in such a low place my bones are vexed he says he's, he's greatly dismayed that's the force really of the word that's, that's used here to vex to be dismayed to be downcast, to be in that low place. And now we see that this was many times the experience of David, the man after God's own heart. How does he speak in Psalm 38? And there at verse 3, There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger, neither is there any rest. The margin says peace or health in my bones because of my sin verse 7 my loins are filled with a loathsome disease and there is no soundness in my flesh I am feeble and sore broken I have wrought by reason of the disquietness of my heart so we see something that that, that was lying behind the prayer of David it's, it's God's dealings with him he recognises God's hand is he physically in a low place has he been brought down? Is that the state of his health? He's certainly concerned about the state of his soul. Is God chastening him? Is there some sin that he has committed? These are the reasons why he prays in this fashion. But what, what of the prayer, what of the content of his petition? And we're thinking in particular of this part of his prayer in verse 3. O Lord, how long? Just two words, how long? It's another one of those short prayers. And I remarked before on short prayers. And we have them there in the New Testament when we see Peter walking on the water. As Christ is coming to the disciples there on the Sea of Galilee, Christ is walking on the water, they see that it's the Lord, and Peter bold, as he is, impetuous, impulsive. Peter soon walking on the waters to meet the Lord, but then he's aware of the tempest and the waves, and he begins to sink. And remember how he cries out, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. And also we've 
remarked in times past on that Syrophoenician woman, that Canaanitish woman in the Gospel, who comes to the Lord with her sick child. And uh, the Lord doesn't take any notice, any account of her. He ignores her, it seems. And the disciples become wearied, want her to be dismissed. But then she comes with that simple prayer, Lord, help me. And now the Lord was pleased to hear and to answer that prayer also. Short prayers. And here's another short prayer. Lord, oh Lord, he says, how long? How long must I wait? Or maybe that's how we feel sometimes. How long must I wait? I've waited and I've waited. And sometimes maybe we're waiting for the Lord to come and grant us that assurance that our sins are forgiven. How long have I got to wait till the Lord seals that precious salvation in my soul? How long must I endure these sufferings? How long must I wait in this, in this condition? How long must these circumstances continue? We come to the end of our tether, we come to our wit's end as we read there in Psalm 107. There's a sense in which this petition is left rather open. We don't know just what it was that David was longing for the end of. How long? But he doesn't tell us. We tend to think, oh, it must be a matter of time. It's interesting, there are these prayers in Scripture that, in a sense, are, are, are incomplete. I think of the prayer of, uh, of Moses concerning the, the children of Israel after they've been guilty in the matter of the golden calf, remember? And Moses is the one who must come and, and plead with God that he will not disinherit them and cast them off altogether. He acknowledges that they have sinned. There in Exodus 32-31 he returns to the Lord and he says, Oh, these people have sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold, yet now if thou wilt forgive their sin. And then he breaks off. And if not, he says, Blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. It's an, it's an incomplete statement that we have there. It's broken words, broken sentences. And yet, sometimes, and I, I really feel this, sometimes our broken prayers are our best prayers, aren't they? When one has to stand before a congregation, week by week, Lord's Day by Lord's Day, and, and pray, and as it were, try to be the mouth of the people in prayer. Well, sometimes maybe one feels, oh, I had some liberty in prayer. The words came quite easily, quite readily. And we think that's spiritual liberty, but it's not always the case, is it? It's just a natural liberty. Sometimes our best, our best prayers are those that we have to feel after. Every word, we, we have to find every word, and we're, we're feeling for those words. And surely this is so with the prayer of David here in the text. But now, O oh Lord... How long? This is why God has granted that ministry of the Holy Spirit. I know we oft times refer to those words 
of the Apostle there in Romans 8.26 about the Spirit that while he was come you see the Lord has not left his people without a comforter the Holy Ghost has come and there the Apostle Paul speaks of that ministry of the Spirit the Spirit he says helpeth our infirmities and maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered and he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God what a comfort it is to know that there is a ministry of the Holy Ghost and he was there in the Old Testament he was there to help David again in that 38th Psalm David says Lord all my desire is before thee and my groanings are not hid from thee what were those groanings? they were spiritual groanings and surely that's the case here that's the case here he says in verse 6 I am weary with my groaning all the night make I my bed to swim I water my couch with my tears oh how he comes in with his prayers and this prayer it's, it's a prayer that was evidently very familiar to this man David knew what it was to ask God how long that's why I read those words also in the 13th psalm how long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Oh, what prayers here. Time and again we see him uttering those our lungs. Four of them. Four times there in the beginning of that 13th Psalm. How long? Here is an experience then that David was very familiar with. He, he, he can't adequately express himself. All he can say to God in his prayer is how long? The hymn writer says, Oh, to speak, thou be not able, always pray and never rest. Prayers a weapon for the feeble. Weakest souls can wield it best. And David says here, I am weak. I am weary. Oh, this is, this is uh, real worship, isn't it? These short petitions are such an important part of proper worship. I refer to that woman in the gospel, that Syrophoenician woman. And what does it say when she came with her simple prayer? She worshipped him. She worshipped the Lord Jesus Christ saying, Lord, help me. All the content then of David's prayer, broken words, broken sentences, short petitions, just two words, O oh Lord, how long? And then finally this evening there's a consequence here. What's the result of all of this? Well David acknowledges that his prayer is accepted. There in verses 8 and 9. He says the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord hath heard my supplication.'" 
the Lord will receive my prayer and there we have that parallelism that is such a significant part of Hebrew poetry is saying the same thing three times over in slightly different ways yes but it all amounts to the same really doesn't it the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping the Lord hath heard my supplication the Lord will receive my prayer how emphatic that is and why is David so sure that God has heard him well it's not because of his own words it's not because of his own words his own words are rather weak words if he is simply saying to God how long what is the reason that he has this confidence he's a man after God's own heart he's not the hypocrite uh, the Lord, remembering the Sermon on the Mount, says uh, we're not to be like the heathen who think that they heard for their much speaking. We're not to use nine repetitions in prayers. Why does David have this confidence that his prayer has been heard? Because, because he has been pleading the mercy of God. In verse 2 he says, Have mercy upon me, O Lord. And again in verse 4, O save me for thy mercy's sake. All the time he's pleading the mercy of God. And it reminds us of the publican. That the Lord speaks of in the gospel, when the man who goes to the temple at the same time as the Pharisee. And who is the man who goes justified to his house? Not the Pharisee, the self-righteous Pharisee but the publican, the despised sinner, goes to his house justified rather than the other. Why? Because of his prayer, God be merciful to me, a sinner was his prayer. Oh, he pleaded the mercy of God. And you know, to plead the mercy of God is really pleading the Lord Jesus Christ himself. In Romans 3.25 we read of Christ whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. Now the word there, propitiation, it's the same word that's also used in Hebrews 9.5 in respect to the mercy seat in the tabernacle. There in Hebrews 9.5 it's translated as mercy seat whereas in Romans 3.25 it's translated as propitiation but it's exactly the same word why so because it was at the mercy seat that the high priest on the day of atonement went and sprinkled the blood the atoning blood but you see what he is saying there in Romans 3.25 he's speaking of Christ whom God hath set forth to be a mercy seat oh Christ is the mercy seat He's the one in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith. We're to come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he tells us whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Or to come and pray for God to hear us because of his mercy. That's Christ. But thou, 
O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord. Deliver my soul, O save me, for thy mercy's sake. Oh, that God would help us then to wait, to wait upon him in that spirit of real expectation. In Psalm 40, David says, I waited patiently for the Lord. In waiting, I waited, literally. In waiting, I waited. And he inclined unto, he, unto me and heard my cry. Oh, that we might be those then who would come in that spirit of true faith, resting in the Lord and waiting patiently for him. I suppose we have to say our time is always ready. Our time is now. We need much grace to wait for the Lord's time and to look to him and to commit our way in the midst of all our uncertainties into his gracious hands. But the Lord help us to come in the spirit that we find here in our text tonight. The spirit of this gracious man, King David, when he cries out, O Lord, how long? But then he can go on, return, O Lord, deliver my soul, O save me for thy mercy's sake. And then that assurance, the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping, the Lord hath heard my supplication, the Lord will reserve will receive my prayer. Well, the Lord bless his word to us. Now let us worship God as we sing our second praise. The hymn 401, the tune is Ombersley, 385. How long, O Lord, shall I complain like one that seeks his God in vain? Canst thou thy face forever hide and I still pray and be denied the hymn 401